Welcome to the Gym Wits Podcast. I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, aka Chef Sonic. And we are the Gym Wits. So it is October 24th. Do you know how I know that? Oh. Because I'm looking at it right now. If, oh, you, if, if okay. anyone has a, a Mac computer, they have the calendar thing right there. But guess what that means? What's right around the corner? Halloween. Mm-hmm. Remember, like, Halloween used to be our, our favorite time of year? Yes. Um, yeah, it was. And uh, then. I stuck with it, so I guess I'll, I'll give my, my Halloween story, and I guess we're going to have to post this. We'll have to post it this week, um, and then you'll you'll tune in next week to hear the results. But basically, so yeah, we used to be big on Halloween for a while, and then, I don't know, at some point, we, we didn't, you know, we didn't go. Oh, I used to rely old. on you, and then your, and your friends, so typically one of your friends would have like a big Halloween party, and then after a while, like the ones that used to have Halloween parties moved away or stopped doing it. So then we, then we stopped doing as much. And then it would be like every year, it's like, well, what are you doing for Halloween? It's like, oh, I'll figure it out. And then we'd never figure something out. Um, I think but I then, like a little burnt yeah, out on it because we but, went all out for so long. But then also once I got into 3D printing, I got really into doing my dog stuff for Halloween. So like if you check out the Instagram for the Gym Wits, you'll see every year, like last couple of years, I'll post like the dog's costumes. And so I end up so focused on their stuff that takes a little while that I don't do my own costume. And then the last couple of years, I've been more like, okay, dog costumes and Comic Con and not thinking about Halloween. But um, anyway, so uh, we do the dog, cost, the dog contest every year. And the last couple of years, like, I don't know if I've talked about it before, but I think I've had oh, the best dog costume. But it's always the biggest, like, what ends up happening is I don't place because they don't really, it seems like the people with the biggest, like, set piece, they're the ones that win. So, like, or, or place. So, like, one person had, like, a big candy shop and one person had a big, like, a fish tank and the dogs were fish. And there was one that was, like, a New York City, you know, one of the double-decker buses. You know, it's like, those are the ones that win. So, I was like, well, you know, screw this. I'm going to do a big set next year. And, you know, and so I'm doing that. And so now with the, the, so, and then to make this story more interesting is, uh, so the Tompkins Square Parade is the big one in New York every year. It's always covered by tons of media. And in August, they announced that the parade wasn't going to happen. Um, basically, there was some issue with insurance and, you know, it was a lot, kind of uh, a little complicated, but something to do with insurance and not being able to put it in a person's name and, you know, not wanting to take too much, whatever the case is, they canceled it. And then at the last minute, um, some combination of, um, you know, a woman that, that is kind of always participates or a co-host and uh, a, someone at ESPN and a councilwoman and ESPN itself donated money. All of a sudden, they last minute, they saved the Tompkins Square Dog Parade. But um, instead of being at Tompkins Square Park, it's at another park all the way downtown. But luckily for me, because I'm crazy, at the end of last, last uh, year's parade, after I didn't place it all, even though I had what I would argue is one of the best costumes, as usual, um, I started on my, on my thing. So I basically had done everything was set. I printed everything. I just had a lot of painting and stuff to do that, that you know, I didn't, I was procrastinating. And then when they announced that it was canceled, I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm not using it this year. And I just kind of didn't think about it. I was going to go to my local parade, but it would have been, you know, like I would have just dressed them up something simple. I wouldn't have done the whole set so once they announced it that basically gave me two you know week and a half to to prepare for this and so it's been a mad dash for me to be ready for this parade this weekend so i guess we'll release this this week so that then i can discuss when we record next week um whether or not i placed with my massive crazy set and you're gonna have a leg up on everyone because well, 
you started preparing last <laughs> year. So yeah, so theory, so you had to think. So and they've so, only had a week or so. Well, no, to prepare. So here's the thing. You gotta you gotta wonder, like, as far as everybody, everybody that's part of this whole you know program. So, so right? you're gonna so, win, but there'll be an asterisk well, uh, next no. to your name. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's the thing. Is like, so. First off, I know a lot of people actually, some of the winners travel. Like, I think I think one of the winners traveled from Texas or something, somewhere far. So people do travel to get to this parade. Um, and uh, so you wonder, you know, if it was announced in August, how you know how far in advance were they working it? Were they like me? Did they work on it way in advance? Do these people go to multiple parades so they just happen to have it? Are they going to make the trip? But yeah, you would think that with a week and a half, it'd be really hard to put together some elaborate crazy thing. Um, and yeah, so in a way, yeah, I'm like, yeah, well maybe I did do have a leg up. It's last minute. So there'll be f smaller crowd. I don't care. I just, at this point I want to win it and it's kind of cool. Like ESPN's covering and I don't care to, no, well, it's I do like want to win. You have that championship but, ring. No one questions yeah, anything. Yeah, exactly. Like, just like you have the ring. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so we, we will see, um, to be continued, I guess. Um, and, uh, you know, check out, definitely check out our Instagram because I have, I posted pictures from the last couple the last couple, I'm definitely going to post pictures from this one. I mean, I, I, like this one, it looks really good. So the only <laughs> the only challenge, I was going to ask you to drive me, but um, you're probably working that day, but also your car is not big enough. And I need like, I need, because I have like four by two, like wooden slats, I need space in a yeah, car. So my brother's actually going to do it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So my brother drives for Uber and he drives one of those like huge SUVs. And so I, I texted him like, Hey, I'll pay you what, you know, just, I need you to meet me and drive me out there. And I, I had to use the Justin rule, which was, I told him like the thing starts at 12 and, uh, I told him that we have to be there at 11 just because I need to make sure that we're there on time. So um, not that we ever use that rule with you, but but there are certainly times where we could have. Uh, yeah, no, it makes it, sense. It I, agree. I invented that rule. I told you to use it on. <laughs> no, we use it on an old drummer in a band. Remember, um, what was his name? Kurt, Curtis. Curtis? We had, yeah, because really? Curtis was worse. Curtis made you look like, you oh, know, Curtis Mr. Is interesting cat. I wonder if he listens to the show. I should see I how know. he's doing. So... I'm going to apologize to Mitch Calvert. We, um, I had lost not the interview that we did, but the um, the intros and the outros that Ryan and I always do for an interview. I don't know how it happened. Maybe uh, I had multiple windows open and I closed one without saving it, thinking that it was something else that I had already saved. So, something along those lines. So I apologize to Mitch for taking so long to post the interview and it was it was because it was a really good interview i remember it and um it was an interesting topic and certainly for anyone that is looking to transform their body to lose weight uh maybe gain muscle whatever it is this is a great interview for you so enjoy the interview with mitch Hey, everyone. We are here with Mitch Calvert. How's it going, Mitch? It's going awesome. Thank you. So as we always introduce our guests with, the, with their title, uh, and, and I think Mitch has the easiest title to remember out of any of our guests, and it's simply Mitch. So I like it. It's very down. I could have overrated it, I'm told. So. <laughs> yes, very true. So, uh, Mitch, the first question we always ask our guests is about their background in health and fitness and also their current regimen. Sure, sounds good. So my path is very unconventional. I went to university for a communications degree, 
and became a journalist and I was heavy set and kind of by the process of getting in shape through university, I got the itch for learning more, got all the certifications, became a coach. And now I kind of pay it forward with guys like my former self who, you know, are facing a big weight loss mountain wow. and uh, trying to come down from that. So to make a long story short, it was, it was initially my, my weight loss that got me interested. And now I, I, I'm, I live in the gym because it's, it's just a part of my identity now. Nice. So I guess let's dive right in. Tell us about that uh, the transformation, sort of what you were de- the the shape you were in at the time, what you were dealing with, sort of um, in life. And I, what I mean by that is, how was your sort of outlook on life when you were what you considered overweight? How did other people look at you? How did you feel? Um, how what it what led to the transformation? Sort of how you did the transformation, and now how you feel after. I know that is a big question, but I'm <laughs> sure that you'll be able to really get to all of it. Yeah, absolutely. So it was part perception and reality. I think how people viewed me because I wasn't confident in my own skin. I assumed they were looking or laughing at me when I would when I would uh, just be out in public and uh, got teased a bit in junior high and high school, and sort of hit rock bottom in gym class that senior year. When uh, I don't think they do this nowadays, so the gym teacher brought out a body fat measurement device and had all of us stand up and grip it one at a time. And then wow. he listed the scores from top to bottom based on body fat percentage. That's like lawsuit worthy nowadays. So you would think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do owe him a, a debt of gratitude for that because it sort of uh, hmm. was my big wake up call. But yeah. n- nonetheless, I had the worst score among the guys in the class. Hmm. And you know, I didn't really get teased for it, but it just it was kind of that moment where I realized if I don't change now, um, I may, you know, be staring at an early grave here. So, sure. so it, it took some time to sort of figure things out. And it wasn't immediate after that where I, you know, suddenly flipped a switch and was in shape a month later. But uh, that kind of set the stage for it. So now, do you want me to continue? Yeah. yeah. So, so tell us. So you you talk about um, kind of how you blackmail yourself into losing sixty pounds. So tell us about that process and how did it work? How'd you come up with the idea? Okay. Yeah. So this was probably six six months past um, that moment in gym class, and I was graduated. Now I was working uh, in a restaurant, eating a lot of leftovers, and you know, no direction in life. Kind of in between that year, in between university and high school, and my brother brought home. Uh, big bag of some pre-workout or some garbage product uh, and uh, pumping iron, Arnold Schwarzenegger's movie. Nice. DVD. And just the simple fact of him getting in shape, it kind of motivated me to do the same. And uh, it was actually that movie, just watching that, that kind of got me motivated to, to go to the gym first off. Great. But the whole black mark, blackmailing component was uh, I was big into video games at the time. Hmm. And, you know, that was my life. So, I put a sticky note on my computer, simply said, if I don't lose these 60 pounds in the next year, I have to quit video games for life. Um, and made sure I, I told my dad to loop him in. So someone was holding me accountable to that. Wow. And that was sort of my driving force through the ups and downs of that year. Um, obviously, I probably wouldn't recommend you try to force a number by the end of the year, but it worked for me. And uh, yeah, the, the rest is... As I, as they say, history. And I, I actually don't play video games anymore. I had no interest mm-hmm. once I got in shape, funny enough. Now, were there any struggles um, throughout that year? Kind of were there, were there points where you kind of thought, oh, crap, I guess, guess I'm done with video games? Or, or was it pretty consistent the entire time? 
No, there was definitely some some lulls and plateaus. And now as a coach, I understand that's part of the process. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I pushed too hard at first. I was running all night and then uh, eating as sparingly as possible. And so the weight came off pretty quick at first. And then I hit a total roadblock and I uh, downloaded some various programs off the Internet and enlisted a coach at one point. And, and through all that, it sort of, finally made the progress and it was the last month where i kind of went a little crazy with things just to hit that number um but uh yeah it certainly it had its peaks and valleys as any weight loss journey does so now as a coach now we'll get a little bit more into your own philosophy and your approach to coaching but i'm interested have you successfully or unsuccessfully used the blackmail approach with any of your your own clients I tend to steer away from that, but there's been a few occasions with uh, certain guys where it just seemed like the right fit. Um, and one guy went so far as putting some money in escrow with his lawyer <laughs> yeah. to, uh, to, to go to a charity. I won't name names, but it was one that he did not support uh, wow. at all. And his lawyer was instructed to, at the end of six months, um, pay that forward to the charity uh, <laughs> that he did not want to go into if he didn't reach his goal with me. So it was sort of that... Uh, reverse bet that seems to be a uh, work fairly effective effectively with people and sure enough he uh, he did it actually with time to spare yeah i have, I have a, pair, a client she and her husband actually had a similar thing they were basically they were doing too much wine drinking and um <laughs> so that was kind of their thing is at the beginning of the year it's like all right we're gonna go two months no wine and they both they 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 didn't put money in escrow or anything but they kind of had the agreement with each other if you know if i do this then i'm gonna have to send money same thing to a charity that they absolutely did not want to send the check to and um, they both were able to keep from drinking for that for, for those eight weeks or for the two months. Sure. Yeah, there's something to that. It seems to work with uh, human nature or biology or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> so when did you decide that you wanted to actually make a career in uh, health and fitness? Well, it wasn't like I just woke up one morning and thought, hey, I'll, I'll be a coach and put up a website or something. It was sort of just – helping people through the years while I was still pursuing journalism, working full time and helping people for free and mm -hmm. writing a blog for free. And just because I enjoyed it. Right. And I love digging into the, the research and getting precision nutrition certified, that sort of thing. Never with any intentions of making a career of it necessarily. Uh, and it sort of just came organically over the years. It certainly wasn't overnight. Uh, I had a blog for two or three years before I ever had a, a paying client. Um, but eventually just transitioned to uh, something that's uh, real life now and still kind of hard to fathom that. Um, that's great. But that's, that's it certainly wasn't a path I envisioned when I first set out. So now blog blogging is one of those areas and even in a very similar to podcasting in the same way where, you know, a lot of it's just the grind um, and, and, you know, as far as getting successful with it and, um, you know, building a base of, of um, subscribers or readers or listeners. So what, how are you able to kind of build your own, your own kind of um, listener or, or reader base? Yeah, I think partly the communications marketing background. So I had some tech savvy so i knew to kind of build an email list through your website right have some uh, some upgrades within there that get people to hand over their email address and they get on a list and then you send them content and build that no like and trust uh but it was reaching out beyond my own site as well that probably made the biggest difference i write for Aspen at least once a month now kind of a columnist there so you kind of piggyback off their audiences and T Nation and Muscle and Fitness and 
various sites like that. So the blog itself was certainly a grind, but I enjoyed making that weekly post and I sort of committed to that. And then it led to other opportunities where I could reach a wider audience and kind of built my my own audience through there sort of thing. Well, that's great. So now you stress simplicity with your clients or especially with the new clients. So what is your sort of approach when working with a new client or just clients in general? Yeah, it, it kind of depends on where that particular client is. Um, but certainly I, I don't tend to steer most of the guys to calorie counting right off the bat where they're tracking in a in an app like MyFitnessPal. Typically we just focus on portions, right? We give them a visual of what their plate should look like at dinner time. And then they just mix and match based on the grocery list from each column. As many options as I possible I put in there. So there's good flexibility when it comes to the diet part of things. Uh, and, and same thing in the gym. I mean, it's it starts with habits, right? And typically people are so motivated to to change at first that they do too much. And they sort of hit a wall at, you know, one month, two months, January, right? Sure. Right when New Year's resolution runs. Yep. yep. So making those small habitual changes, uh, like a walk after dinner or, you know, just packing your gym bag and making sure it's in the car so you you see it on the way home and then you're sort of committed, halfway committed to, to going a couple times a week. But really it's just a simple plan, those habits. And then the third piece is the, the environment, right? Mm. So they're spousal support or, or in my coaching group in general, they get paired up with a, a thunder buddy and they're supposed to check in uh, a couple times a week with that person. And uh, you just have that support you need to get through the downtimes, um, right? Very important support and of course, accountability. So mm-hmm. now you have a program called the, the Mansformation program. Do you specialize in working with men? Is that sort of your, your, your expertise or do you work with men and women alike? Well, in the gym, personal training wise, I you know I started off training all shapes and sizes and genders. Um, but uh, when I shifted online, I just found the clients I got the most enjoyment out of in the gym was typically the guys like my former self who like to lift weights but also have weight to lose. And so my programming just sort of naturally uh, transitioned to that, and my my referrals came more so from the guys, and it, it sort of just. You know, like uh, this whole thing started just kind of organically um, kind of niche down into men. And that's sort of where I've found myself without really retrying again. So, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty oh, much it's, it. It's cool. Now, I checked out uh, some uh, video that you made on YouTube, which I actually really liked. You talked about taking extra steps and that stuff adds up. Now, I know on your website you had a few few people uh, discussing how they lost, you know, 20 pounds or something in a month. And I know that those uh, results are probably not typical, although we know that sometimes people do lose a lot of weight at first, but then you hit, as you mentioned, the, the, uh, the roadblocks. But one thing that I, I really liked is your, your, the sort of most important fact that you had mentioned is that you should not expect to lose a lot of weight, that if you're losing one pound a week, right, two pounds, something like that, that that's really what you want to strive for and that over time that's going to add up and that's really how you want to, to go about it. So what do people say when you tell them that, saying, look, you really, you're shooting for about one pound a week, 
to lose. When a lot of people come in thinking, oh, I want to lose, you know, they might see an ad and say, oh, I want to lose, especially with there's so many programs that will claim, oh, you lose 30 pounds in the first month, something like that. And I'm sure a lot of people come in wanting to do that. And when you tell them, you know, you're really just shooting for one pound a week, two is great if you can get there. How do people react to that? Well, typically I break it down in reference to honeymoon stage and the marriage stage of dieting. And especially if you've you've got 50, 60 pounds to lose, the pounds are going to come off a little quicker there in the early going, partially water, right? Um, But you're going to hit a point where it settles into that one to two pounds a week where it's more of the marriage phase. You got to work a little harder at it. Um, But at the same token, if your measurements are changing, even a pound a week ends up being 16 pounds in three months, right? Hopefully my math was right on that. But, yeah. <laughs> but you know, that's a big number if you take the long view. And uh, we're, we're so obsessed, with, and it's partly the marketing out, out there in this industry. Quick results, uh, and usually people get the wrong idea, idea thinking they have to go on a diet that they can't sustain, right? And it really has to be a lifestyle change where you can still go out for a friend's birthday and have dessert and uh, not be completely sabotaging your goals by doing that. So uh, certainly that's a mental block for many of the guys that come through the program, but um, just pointing to the research, right? A lot of the contestants on The Biggest Loser, yes, it makes for great TV. They lose a ton of weight, but a lot of them gain it, gain it back after the show because sure. clearly three-hour workouts and having every morsel of food measured by experts is not uh, a realistic plan once they get back into the real world. So now what's, what strategies do you have for your clients to deal with that kind of marriage phase like that where, you know, cause it does happen for all of us. And I think we all, you know, most good trainers do preach, you know, slow and steady wins the race, but it is tedious for a lot of people. So how do you kind of, um, encourage your clients to, to work through that kind of the tedious, stressful, kind of long drawn out part of the weight loss process? Yeah, that's a good point too. It's really focusing in on the little small wins, right? Those daily things where you, a pair of pants you haven't worn for for months, you put them on, they fit nicely, you got to buy a new belt um, and just enjoying the process. I know that's kind of cliche, but having that's why it's important to do active things that you enjoy, right? Getting your steps in in other ways, whether it's you know dancing with your two-year-old, which is one of my, my personal favorites, mm-hmm. or uh, just getting out with a walk with the dog. You don't have to necessarily... Uh, be so laser focused on that scale as well and sort of trying to uh, build in exercise into a life you enjoy without feeling like you're restricting yourself or just hating every second of it. Cool. So now speaking of enjoying life and not restricting yourself, um, you have a, an interesting blog post where you actually encourage people to cheat more on their diet. So can you maybe explain a little bit about what, you know, where you're coming from and your kind of philosophy behind that? Yeah, it's a bit of a clickbait title. I'll give yeah. you that. Uh, if you dig into it a bit more. <laughs> we all have to do it. We do it with the podcast right. too. So I totally get it. <laughs> I know. Nowadays, it's so much noise out there. Uh, but uh, there was some interesting studies done on uh, especially one group. Um, they pair, they split two groups up. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'll, I'll paraphrase it a bit. And one group dieted steady in a calorie deficit for the entire duration of the study. The other group broke up their dieting phases into two weeks of fairly aggressive calorie deficit and two weeks of just kind of maintaining and eating more food. And in the end, the, the second group lost more weight overall. It took longer, um, but they had better results and they were able to, you know, stick to the plan 
less dropout rate compared to the the first group. And I guess there's some biology behind that where your metabolism doesn't adapt <clears throat> as quickly when you're taking those breaks as it would if you're trying to push the pedal to the metal, really fighting hard for a certain number and a certain amount of weeks, right? So I, I think there you may not have to break it up in two-week uh, blocks like that, but just... You know, if you have a vacation coming up, you don't have to eat like a crazy person, but you can kind of loosen the reins a bit and you're not going to be three months behind when you get back and kind of get back into your routine. I think that was sort of the, the take home of that article. Yeah. And I think it's part also, you know, I always find that if you, you know, if you can control your, your cheating or if you can, tr- if you're, if you actively make the decision to have a bad meal, like you know you're going to do it, then there's not the guilt that comes with kind of making the poor choice in the moment. So it's like if I know I'm going to, it's my birthday, I'm going to go out, I'm going to you know go to an all-you-can-eat you know Brazilian steakhouse, and I'm going to have cake. If I know that I'm doing that, then it's easier to come back. Where I think you deal with the guilt and everything that comes along with that. If you don't kind of actively make that choice to do it, um, if you do it in the moment, it definitely you know, becomes a harder thing to deal with, and then you tend to see people kind of relapse more if it's kind of in in the moment type of uh, a choice. That's yeah, that's a good point. It seems to cascade into a, a weak cheat if you feel you beat yourself up yeah. over that. Whereas if you take the approach you mentioned, where you plan for it, it's a completely different mind shift. Yeah. So now you mentioned a lot of your clients uh, enjoy lifting weights. What are some of your favorite exercises to do with clients for both beginners and maybe even some that have intermediate skill when it comes to lifting weights? I like uh, the landmine. So that's, uh, I don't know how to visualize that, but you put a barbell in a corner basically and add some weight to it and uh, the possibilities are endless. But I find it's good for beginners because it can teach proper squat form for one because the weight's out in front of you. Um, So you're not really getting that exaggerated lean forward because you can't. Um, And it kind of, it it just automatically gets your depth in a proper position. Uh, so I like that, but you can also add challenging variations to it for someone who's a little further along, you know, split squats or, or single leg lunges with it, or you can do a squat into an overhead press and there's a conditioning element as, as well as a strength training component. So, uh, that's the first one that comes off the top of my head. Certainly I, I kind of like focusing on the basics and getting stronger in the basics for, for many people. I think that's probably the best place to start. Um, but, uh, yeah, the gym, the possibilities are endless. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was also going to ask, what do you recommend as far as, uh, aerobic or cardiovascular conditioning? Well, I'm not one of those guys who says steady state cardio is a waste of time. Don't bother with it. Um, certainly if you enjoy, you know, walking on a treadmill, it's a good de-stressor for you. It gets your mind off work, whatever the case may be. Then it's, it's a good thing to build that in here and there. It's good for cardiovascular heart health um but i would steer guys more towards using weights for conditioning whether it's circuit based um, maybe doing intervals with a a sled or uh what i've been using lately is the s drive it's a treadmill at our gym that gives you the you know, the options to basically push a sled or have a parachute behind you without actually having it <laughs> based oh. on the settings on it so that's a pretty cool uh, new piece we have uh, but yeah Weights first, and then cardio as needed, um, based on how things are progressing each week. So now, what's what's your own process with like a new, you know, new 
a new client? Um, how do you kind of take them in and kind of get them acclimated to your, your style of training, your programs? Well, a lot of that comes from the initial application, right? If I, I think they're a good fit for it, obviously that means differently than someone who, uh, you know, has just isn't ready for a somewhat intermediate approach. And uh, typically I, I want someone with a little bit of a background in weight training, especially if it's an online client. Um, because it's hard to kind of teach those fundamentals over or through a computer screen. So if they're at that point where they've been training three to five years, even if it's not consistent, they, they know the basics, then uh, the, the first part is getting that application done and seeing where they're at, if they have any injury limitations, and getting them in. Um, and then I have an app where they would load up the video exercises in there when they're in the gym, making sure their form is correct, and they would also send me um, – videos in particular on the big like a squat for example because that can often be one where where form isn't very good so right off the top we'll, we'll assess that and make sure that everything's in the right place form wise for them to move forward so, so now what do you find is is your bread and butter do you have more online clients more in-person clients what do you think where or at least recently what has what sort of been your um where have you received more attention for? It's primarily online now. Um, some of those are in person. It's more of a hybrid hybrid approach where they used to train with me three, four times a week. Now it's once a week and then the rest of the uh, consultation is done online through a Facebook group and through you know individual consultations with them. So online is more where I'm getting – I'm not really marketing locally. At the gym I work out of, I'm not on their list of trainers anymore because I, I didn't want to – take on anymore in that position so i work out of the, the home more so now and yeah the inquiries 90 percent of them are coming online nowadays and that's how i'm most comfortable uh working with people now so and so you touched on a little bit but you actually so what type of a client is like the ideal client for you and then what type of people do you end up turning away so it would be guys with weight to lose that uh like the weight train essentially so the, like my former self, where I was envisioning myself five, 10 years ago, if not more. When I, I wanted to lift weights, that was my, my biggest interest, but I wanted the weight to come off too. So finding that balance, um, those are primarily the guys. Uh, those who don't really fit are more cardio-focused, right? They're triathletes, they're, they're runners. Uh, the gym is kind of secondary. Their approach, body composition isn't maybe their major focus. It's... Uh, Athletic endeavors, getting better for a sport, that's not my expertise. So I don't, I tend to steer those people away. Hmm. And uh, yeah, female in general, I'm, I'm fine working with them in person, but it's not really my area of focus online. So I tend not to work with many in I, that capacity. You know, and I actually really appreciate that. I feel that trainers, when, well, if you meet one at the gym or just anywhere, they all, so many of them, magically have this ability to work with everybody whether you're an you know an athlete you're trying to power lift you're trying to lose weight they just seem to know everything but that's just not the case i think that people do have their unless maybe ryan who just is you know yeah, a master of all trade i'm just kidding i'm just losing my partner here but i i, I think people really appreciate that when you say look you know this is just not this is not what i do but i do specialize 
in working with these types of clients. And I think that that everyone appreciates that, the clients you do work with, and then the clients that you might steer. Let's say, well, I want to become a, a faster sprinter. Well, let me steer you to go working with this sprint coach. Oh, I think that's, yeah, we're doing a disservice to the client if we don't, uh, or we just take them on because it's a quick buck or something, right? I think that's important because they're not going to get the results optimally that they want. And then that reflects on you as a trainer. You're not going to get any referrals from that person. It, it's ill will that's created. So yeah, I know my lane. I kind of stick to that and I, I focus all of my you know, education on bettering myself um, with this particular niche. So uh, I think that's the only way to go about it. It's, it's too hard to be good at everything unless you're Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> well, where can our listeners uh, find you? Like if anyone's interested in coaching or getting more, you know, finding your blog, like where can people find you? So it's my name, MitchCalvert.com. If you want a free hookup slash free, MitchCalvert.com slash free, I have a eight rules or eight secrets to fat loss, quick two-page package. Uh, I guess you call it a cheat sheet um, with a visual guide of, what a typical meal would look like for my clients in there as well. Awesome. Well, Mitch, uh, thank you so much for coming on the gym wits. Uh, we really appreciate trainers like you who sort of keep it real that are very honest in their approach. They keep things simple. They're not going to try to, you know, they're not going to try to feed you a fad. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, Mitch, good luck to you, and you're certainly welcome back any time on the gym. What's in? If you want to, if you have some cool client stories, you know, just always send them your send them our way. So we'd love to tell them. We love to hear stories about people that have made transformations. Awesome, appreciate that, Justin. So, from your experience, does this idea of blackmailing yourself or punishing yourself? in order to achieve a goal, does that work or is it really dependent on the person? I think it's dependent on the person. I, you have to be... A, Do you like that concept yourself? Have you ever tried to use anything like that? Uh, is that your style? Yeah, but I've, it's always been ineffective when I've tried it. Like, it's hard to really yeah. blackmail yourself. I think you do need accountability, so I think it makes sense if you're going to... If you're going to do it, you have to kind of tell somebody and let them be in on it and maybe guilt... You know, so like, for example... If I were to do something like that, I might tell my wife and, and tell her, you know, listen, if I don't do X, Y, and Z, I need you to, you know, hold me accountable, tell me, remind me, make me feel bad about it. So I think if there's another party involved, maybe it can help a little bit, but it's just too easy to just say, well, what? I can just, I can just play the video games or I could just do whatever. Why does it matter? So I, I really think it's the person yeah, and yeah. if they can, if they're self-motivated, sure. And if you can kind of hold yourself to that, sure. Because I know plenty of people who, who've been successful with that where they'll say, okay, I'm not going to get this because until I lose X amount of pounds or until I do this or until I do that. And so I know people who've done it successfully. It's I just know yeah. for me it wouldn't work. So I think it really depends on the person. Yeah. yeah. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that's it. All of our, as usual, all of our social media is at uh, thegymwits.com. You can find all of our stuff there. Uh, definitely check out our Instagram over the next uh, week. Uh, it should be interesting. Uh, again, at the underscore gymwits. Uh, and that is it. I can't think of anything else. As usual, I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, a.k.a. Chef Sonic, reminding you that truth does not sell. And we are the gymwits. Wits.